This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in music, focusing on new wave pioneers talking heads. To hash it out, I'm joined by Alexandra Parsons of alexandraparsons.com. Welcome back to the show, Ms. Parsons. Oh, thank you for having me back. Are you excited? Yeah, I am. It's my, oh favorite, my God. favorite band. I, is it? Is it? Is it one of your favorites or the favorite? I would have to say, that's a good question. As far as like a band as an individual group, they're my favorite. Like They, um, so you've, I probably hinted at this in our pre-interview pitch, uh, pitch session we do with each other i'm a super fan i've been yeah. actually studying their career since i was very young since like when i when i got into music i want to say uh, 15 16 i actually started playing music and i wanted to study music not only like the technical side the theory side but also the history side hence me always calling myself an amateur musicologist mm-hmm. i started studying the studying the talking heads at a very young age partly because my brother is a huge talking heads fan too so a lot a lot of what i got growing up before i kind of went rogue and started you know studying things um that i wanted to study a lot of it came from my brother who I've been trying to get on this show for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to... That's I, sweet. I'm not going to reveal his real name because I don't know how, where he stands yet. So I'm going to use his Jedi name, which is Kobar, <laughs> Kobar Spiritual. The, um, <laughs> I, I knew you'd like that. He literally put his, you know, all the, the details to get a, a Jedi name into like one of those like you know, in like computer engines that just like compile it for you once you put in like, I you love know, that. I, I don't know. Why haven't I done that? Yeah, yet? I was about to say, like, I, I'm curious what your name would be. I forgot all the details. It's like, you know, the city you grew up in and fucking, you know, the first three letters, of your last name at, or at the front and all this shit. Right. There's there's a way to uh, design it. Yeah. Mine would be know? called like Nomad 
Momo or something. Oh, I like him. that Nomad Momo. <laughs> uh, we got Nomad Momo over here, guys. <laughs> I've been all over the place. I'm like, where did oh, I grow yeah. up? Jesus oh, that'd Christ. Be... No, you need to do that and then text it or or whatever. So we can we can bring that up in a future show. I think that'd be fun. Mine is I, I, I need to redo mine. And I remember like not liking it. I was like, oh, man, that's kind of this is kind of lame sounding. Mm -hmm. But my brother's was cool. And to this day, he would always he would use it in different kind of artistic, um, you know, mediums or other things. You know, if he had to introduce himself, it's Cobar Spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to get um, Cobar spiritual, spiritual on the show for a very specific, very deep time show that I feel like 5% of um any music fan would know and we'll talk about that later because it has to do with the talking heads and that's why i bring it up so before we get there of course we need to t tell the good people why why are we talking about the talking heads today that's easy guys okay because they are described as and i quote one of the most critically acclaimed bands of the 80s the group helped to pioneer new wave music by integrating elements of punk art rock funk and world music with an anxious with an anxious clean cut image in quote i like to summarize it this way when i think of the genre new wave i immediately think of talking heads mm. like they are the pinnacle the definition of new wave like when you see it in the dictionary it their fucking picture needs to be right next to it kind of a thing so um now before we uh, discuss of course we also need a little background so talking heads talking heads was a rock band formed in 1975 in new york city it was comprised of david byrne on lead vocals and guitar chris franz on drums tina weymouth on bass and jerry harrison on keyboards on keyboards and guitar jerry harrison is also the same jerry harrison from another cult classic band and that is the modern lovers now we can't talk about the the talking heads without talking about a lot of support they had over the years because as they obviously as their career blossomed they had help from other producers and musicians things like that so you'll you'll be hearing brian eno pop up a lot we did a whole show on brian eno and uh because they helped produce um their <laughs> magnum opus and to a lot of um, musicians and a lot of other albums but also like they had incredible musicians uh help support their studio sound and also their live tours and that is adrian blue who is a guitarist and this is um, i need to bring up cobar spiritual again this is where he comes in. I've been wanting to do a show on Adrian Ballou because he's like the deepest cut of deep, deep cuts. I'll talk about him a little later in the show, but I want to do a whole piece on him because he is probably the greatest guitar artist you've never heard of. He's mm. played with everyone from King Crimson to Clearly Talking Heads to Nine Inch Nails. He still is a session musician to this day. His work is so influential. I, I We have to do a whole piece on him eventually. And we will. I'm going to... Vince, my brother, to fucking do it, and we'll we'll get there. As well as keyboardist Bernie War Warrell, singer Nona Hendricks, and bassist Busta Jones. They are active from 1975 to 1991. They, of course, have been on countless best of lists and you know lists of the greatest artists of all time and most influential. Of course, they are. <laughs> this is why we're doing a show on them. To this day, they are studied, given critically acclaimed, and um, are given critical acclaim and loved and beloved by so many people. And they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002 for that very reason. All right, Miss Parsons, get back in here. All right, I, I, need to, I need to shut up, okay? So uh, we need to talk. We're going to do it this way, guys. We're going to do the arc, the story that is the Talking Heads legacy. 
by doing a little bit of the pre-career stuff, like how they formed, obviously the career stuff. And we always, you know, we focus on the art, art so we're going to focus on their discography and then kind of what they did after because they, they still, they were all so talented. You know, this is like the Beatles of the 80s in a way because it's crazy that these four people came together and they were all, all kind of virtuosos in their own right. And they all went to do amazing things um, during their time, you know, and after their time. So, but let's talk about before their time, Miss Parsons. Okay. Um, before the Talking Heads, there was the Artistics. Mm, mm-hmm. My God, what a pretentious art. <laughs> I'm into it. Didn't they meet at Rhode Island School of Design? I think, yes. I think they are all um, these nerdy white kids that um, were in art school and they wanted to They wanted to make it big. They wanted to pursue an actual career in something and they decided to put a band together. It was first David Byrne and Chris Franz, as already stated, but um, Chris Franz was dating a, a certain Tina Weymouth. And I want to I do a quick aside. Now, you've been listening to a lot of Talking Heads for the week. Mm-hmm. Don't you just love the funk? Those <laughs> funky bass lines. Those yeah, drum lines. You love rhythm. her. Yeah, you're like, you were talking about, you're talking about Tina, right? Tina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you love her. She's really cool. I didn't really, I feel bad because I think I kind of like, everyone focuses on David a lot. Exactly. Exactly. And the you, secret weapon is Tina. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Okay, because, you know, this is this is the crazy part of the history. So they couldn't find a bass player. So Chris was like, you know, I have a girlfriend that maybe be able to fill this role. And um, she had been teaching her guitar, herself guitar since she was 14. She, I don't think she'd ever had formal lessons. Not that I could find in the research. And she kind of like, talk about when an instrument finds you. She, she's kind of a prodigy, you know? Um, she she just kind of can you imagine that just someone saying like hey could you just like do this thing for me and then you become amazing at it just like overnight practically i know she probably i know that kind of romanticizes really her her past i bet if you were to talk to her she was like no i mean i had to fucking practice i really had to learn it you know it it was a lot of hard work is the bass you mean the the bass i know a few musicians that that, that's happened to where they're like oh i always play guitar i actually never play bass and then they asked me to do bass and i kind of just picked it up and because it's just forced strings and i really love funk and like that beat like i just kind of picked it up i'm like that must be nice (laughs) (laughs) and that's part of their i think we have to talk about their charisma as a band too that's part of it because you know at the time it was his girlfriend um Tina Weymouth, but eventually became his wife. They are still married to this day, and they still write music together and perform. And I, I, I talk about the Sweet. ultimate sweetness. Yes, I love that. you know how romantic yeah. of these. Because usually, when you hear about, you know, a good example or the first one that pops in my head is fucking, you know, Fleetwood Mac. We have Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham dating they never got married but they fucking hate each other the opposite happened mm-hmm. you know where they dated for each other they were in a band together and then they broke up and they broke up in real life and the band and to this day they have some serious animosity to each other so i think there's such a testament to their chemistry and the kind of this that's the thing about music that's where i feel like I love music as an art form and medium the most just because there's this magic to it that we still don't understand is when certain people get together and write music together, they create magic and we don't know why, why certain people connect on a certain way through this medium and create an amazing works of art. And I just, I, I love that. And so, <laughs> so uh, speed up to fucking David Byrne. This is, this is a precursor to their later disbanding and, and breakup is David Byrne made her audition three times you know before getting in the band it's like i because i've been in bands like that where 
I feel like, and you may have been around artists that are like this too, that mm-hmm. are or think they're already famous, you know? Like, you need a bass player, just let me play bass in the band. I don't need to audition. You know, I, I've been a drummer uh, for, for bands before, and I remember this person will remain nameless, but I had to go through the same thing, and I'm like, don't you just need a drummer? Shouldn't <laughs> what, You've heard me play. You know I can do this. Why do I need to audition for you three or four times to mm-hmm. make sure I, I, I can do it? I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, do you know, any, do you know anybody like that? Yeah. I, yeah. I know musicians <laughs> that are like that. Um, or just, I mean, just artists that are like, they think they're already famous before they really get any, you know, I think it's a control. Yeah. Well, it's a control thing. I think it's. Like- oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. David Byrne is famously a control freak. And that's why, you know, I wanted to. <laughs> I've talked about David Byrne a lot on these shows and mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was like, oh, should I just do a piece on him? And I feel like there's been enough pieces, a million and one. Yeah. Yeah. Where I wanted to frame it in a different way. And when as soon as you said, hey, I really like the talking heads, I'm like, yes, let's talk about <laughs> the fucking talking heads. Yeah. I Yeah. I you could kind of tell that he's a little bit of control freak, but yeah. or that he's a big time. I didn't realize it was well known. But he does, you know, I, you know, I teach a lot of kids that are on, on the spectrum, like at a learning disorder school. And um, he was, he's, oh, did you read how he's openly talked he, about yeah, he's, he's on the spectrum? He considers himself on the spectrum. Yes. But he's not diagnosed with it. But that makes right. a lot of sense. Like Perfect I think, sense. Yeah, it makes totally. a lot of sense. Just I mean, I was watching some of like the TED Talks that he did and stuff and the way he talks in his moves. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> like my kids. I was like, and they're brilliant. Like some of these kids are yeah. just so hyper-focused and they create such awesome music and art. And like, I'm just like, this is because their brain just works differently. I think I read the same article and he did talk about it in terms of it being a, an asshole. A superpower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It, I think it, a, a lot of it when they are know how to channel it, it is a, a superpower. And they, we call people. I'm dyslexic myself, and I'll, we we say that at our school is that there's um, dyslexia as our superpower because our brain is wired differently, mm. and we could pr- like so many creatives are dyslexic, and so many artists and um, and musicians because we are able to process and see things almost in a different scope. So I think David Byrne is he's one of those people. Oh. Uh, yes, I, I'm, I, well, he, he said it, we're not saying it, he, he said it already, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and to, to round out the, um, the band before they officially became the Talking Heads was, of course, Mr. Harrison, uh, to play guitar and keyboards, and their very first gig as the Talking Heads was in 1975 at CBGB's opening for the Ramones. June 5th, 1975. Um, They picked the name The Talking Heads because, as Tina put it, it was from an issue of TV Guide, which explained the term used by TV studios to describe a head and shoulder shot of a person talking as all content, no action. And she said it just fit. Mm -hmm. So the rest, as they say, is history. And they went on to have an amazing career. Now we need to talk about that career through their art. And we need to start with Talking Heads. 1977 the album is 77 and um this has psycho killer on it uh, their their very first single of all time and what i think i love about the beginning of their roots is they still had a kind of a punk aesthetic you know as much as they weren't a punk band like sex pistols or any of those greats um it was still there. I think so. I, I I agree with you. In the beginning, well, it was also 19, it was 77. That was the time. And like, if you're going to play at CBGB's kind of better have a little bit of a punk vibe to you, or you're going to get thrown out. <laughs> right. 
like you but it's interesting because they look they don't really look they, punk. nothing yeah they're just clean cut david did weird things with it like loves the grays like that has interesting oh God, very yeah. st- an interesting appeal but then when you see him sing you could see that like edge come out sure you know and um yeah, he's just interesting, but you could definitely hear it in the first the first albums, and then we'll talk more as the albums progress later on in the years. It starts to get more experimental with like softer tones and Afro punk and stuff like that. You, yeah, you you make a you make a good point and something I wanted to talk about. I didn't put it in the the outline, but he has such a unique voice. You know, mm-hmm. he's he um, when you hear David Byrne sing. You know it's him immediately. He's one of those. He has that very specific timbre. I think that's what gives them a very specific sound. Besides the obvious, yeah, like what you hinted at as we get later into their discography, they start to experiment. They experiment with literally every, everything. World music, Latin, funk, obviously, the Afrobeat, which we'll talk about here in a minute, per you know, artists like Fila Kuti from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Just just a little all over the place, uh, but to amazing effect and very u- unique effect, like talking heads sound like talking heads you know when you hear when you hear their work and but yeah i like i think there was just some there it was still a little rough around the edges right you know we see yeah. that with a lot of bands in the beginning where they're figuring it out but i i still i would i would argue and as a part of our thesis or subthesis is i i still feel like they had a, a somewhat of a fully realized sound even from the gates i just don't think they had the, maybe the chops or skill or maybe the production to really uh, to make it fully realized to really bring it to um, a studio quality sound that they were happy with until, you know, a little later in their discography as they, of course, got those things. They got they were more skilled, more proficient in their musicianship, their song crafting and writing. And of course, the production around them to make it make their vision come to life. And we see like just a perfect arc, just a perfect evolution. Yeah, it became more meticulous, like you the, the sounds, right? Where you're right, at the beginning, it was more fresh and a little not sloppy, but no, like, not sloppy. Yeah, I wouldn't say no. sloppy, but I'm trying to find another word for it. I say it this way. It's not, you know, when I was trying to describe their sound in terms of a feeling, it wasn't there was a part of me that was like, oh, it's chaos. I'm like, no, it's not chaos because it's controlled. It's just kinetic energy. It's just bouncy, moving. Really fun. Yeah. yeah. Fun. You want to dance. You want to you want to like, you know, get your friends together. Let's grab a shot. Let's dance the night away. Kind of music. Then some darker. If you listen to the lyrics, aren't would you sing on this album? It's like, little. you're like, oh, that's a darker lyric. Like even like with Psycho Killer, you're like, what? Well, <laughs> that's a that is a, that's up to debate because yeah. a lot of people thought. Uh, the psycho killer was he was referring to New York City's son of Sam psycho mm-hmm. killer, you know, oh, okay. killer. But um, David Byrne has actually refuted this. He he said, no, no, I, I wrote that. I wrote those lyrics way before this this situation came along. So, mm-hmm. you know, it I don't know. I, I actually in think, comparative to the other lyrics. Yeah, I, I, I always felt like their lyrics were stream of consciousness. I, it's exactly that why makes sense. Yeah, it is. You're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good segue to 1978's more songs about buildings and food because mm-hmm. they would write about mundane things um mm, yeah. that gave them you know that where they saw purpose and quality in it and i feel like what a what a a little bit of a philosophical life lesson because we say it we say it in a different way to this day we say it like it's the little things that count mm-hmm. right we say it like that but they're talking about so the joke about that title was 
when they were done writing the songs and I think even producing them, Tina was like, what are we going to call this? I mean, it's just a bunch of songs about buildings and food. And Chris was like, yeah, we're going to call, we'll call it that more songs about buildings and food. And they literally called it that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. This is their first, um, a collaboration with Brian Eno too. Mm -hmm. the, the, the musician whisper, the horse whisper for music for musicians. This one has a lot of great tracks, but of course the standout is out the Al Green cover. Take me to the river. Take me to the river. <laughs> I love that fucking song. Love it. Love it. Love that was it. A, was that the hit on that song? Yeah. You'd oh, say. yeah. Oh, but yeah. I think every song, there's only one album, which we're going to come up to where I feel like I didn't, I with talking heads. This is how I define them. If they're my favorite band is like, I love every song on all of their albums. There's only one album where I was like, meh. <laughs> I only liked one or two songs ooh, on it. Oh, don't tell so we'll me. Let to, me. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, you don't tell guess. me. I'm going to guess when we get there. I, th- I think because if it is the same album I'm thinking of, I have some parallel constructive criticism points okay. to maybe add to yours. Okay. Uh, so please tell me when we get there. So more okay. songs about buildings and food is fun. It's um, it's every, it's every A lot of bands do this. I call it Talking Head 77 2.0. It's a lot of the same ideas that they did the first album. They're only a year apart for obvious reasons because uh, they had a lot of material and they wanted to record it and they want to put themselves out there. And it's 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 just a natural evolution. It's a lot of the same kind of structures and, and craftsmanship, uh, musicianship that we saw in 77. But just, you know, the the, the 2.0, the, the, the next level. I don't feel like we really got a breakthrough. We're like, oh, shit. You know, we're going in the weirdest directions. Like it, 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 this is this is going to revolutionize shit. Is still we get until we get to 1979's Fear of Music. Now, um, I will start with this when we're talking about this album. Before we pitched this show to do, and I started stud- studying the Talking Heads for the longest time. I thought Fear of Music was my favorite Talking Heads album. It def- it definitely to this day still has my favorite song, which is E Zimbra, the very first track on Fear of Music. Um, this is also where you you find the single life during wartime. There's I think it's a it's a perfect mix of a little bit of their their punk roots, you know, they're a little rough around the edges, but now we're getting real experimental, but we're also getting very thoughtful. The production is tightening up. It's a little more well-rounded, well-crafted, you know, it's like that it's, it's, and I've talked about this on our shows all the time. There's something about that third LP that tends to be a breakthrough for a lot of artists. Like they're like, okay, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. Now the floodgates open and then go in any direction they want. what do you think of Fear of Music? That's the album I least like. <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Because now love, we have to talk about now we have to talk about um what heaven. I thought was going to be um since we're already there. Oh, this is a great debate. Ooh, I love oh, it. Yeah, it's I love good, it. But yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk as te- like the technicality of why, but I mean, but mm. one of, but also one of my favorite songs is on there and that's Heaven. Yeah. So, but Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's let's I I'm going to I'm okay, get on the couch. I'm going to be your psychiatrist. <laughs> Um, Miss Parsons, why why is this your your least liked Talking Heads album? It didn't resonate with me. Like there were songs that I just kind of was Tell like, me "How you feel? Um, <laughs> how do you feel about that?" Well, I one I probably could be my fault. I didn't listen to this album enough compared to other albums. Is it still this way even after uh, going through their discography again? Do you still feel like it's their their weakest entry in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. But I I'm like, oh, I guess. It, 
I'm surprised. I was surprised. I'm, like, I'm surprised this is like my least because like I'll, I'll re-listen to it. I just want to kind of skip to the next one. Mm. I'm like, eh. I'm just, and I'm like, I can't. I think maybe it's darker. Maybe mm-hmm. like it's it a little, darker. it's it a darker, darker album. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I need to be in the right mindset to listen to it. Um, But I wasn't as like, it didn't capture me enough emotionally to listen to it. But Izimba and Memories Can't Wait in Heaven, those albums I can listen to, songs I can listen to over and over again. While there's great tracks on it, I think as an overall album, I didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel it was cohesive. Um, That's just me. No, that's, that's a fair a well-crafted argument. No, I uh, we still like you. Don't worry. You're not. We're we're, we're going to keep having you on the shows. No, I I I like this in our shows. I like a little healthy mm-hmm. debate, a little uh, point counterpoint. It's not still it. Well, I I'll get to this maybe in the conclusion. It's it's tied for first now. And and you know what? You make a good point in an abstract way. And when mm-hmm. you said I can't put my finger on why, I don't know why I dislike this album, but I do. I can't put my finger on why. I like it so much. Interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. It it could be one of those albums. Well, do you with Talking Heads in general? I feel like everyone that I have when I say, "Oh, they're basically one of my favorite bands," I love them, and they're like, "Oh, I hate them." It's either a lover, I don't like them. I've never met anybody that hates the Talking Heads. They may just say, "Ah, it's not you know not my cup of tea," but I'll listen to fucking yeah. Maybe it's the like I don't I don't really like them. Like you know, I hear like that burning down the house, right? Everyone knows burning down the house, and they they're like, oh yeah, I'll listen to that at like a you know a wedding reception and dance to it, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I've never met a hate a straight up hater, so you know haters. I don't know if they've used the word hate, but I know they they were okay, very passionate about. Do you know their address, their number? Let's put it out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. No, no. We're kidding. Um, there are a few people that are like, oh, yeah, I really We have to don't. find them. We have to find them. No. My brother's one of them. He's like, oh, oh he, shit. He's like, he's oh, like, shit. Uh, I, ugh, I can't stand the talking heads. I was like, what? Well, you're a scrappy fighter. You can take care of him. I was like, I'm you know surprised. Him. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm surprised you say that for someone who loves classical music. I told him, you should be able to appreciate the fact that they are very ex- experimental with their sounds and their music. If you listen, it's very advanced for that time. Oh my God. Jesus and he Christ, was like, yes. oh, no, I just don't think he likes David david's voice mm, it is. i yep. think it's that's what it number. is that, yeah yep. he's like no yeah i think that's what he told me he's like it's just like i don't like his singing voice i can't stand how he sings i was like okay well that I, I, okay it's not for everybody but as a band and overall composition like you have to like give it another chance i think i could change your mind i told him i think you are trying to articulate that famous perception of you know you can you can respect, you don't have to like them, but you should respect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, like Ezembra, before we get to our next LP on our list, Ezembra was clearly a blueprint for what they did in Remain in Light with their polyrhythmic theory and music crafting for their next LP in 1980. Uh, before we get there, um, I want to give a little love to the music supervisor for Marvel Studios because in the very last Spider-Man movie, the opening sequence was with E. Zimbra. <laughs> I don't, I think people, a lot, a lot of people heard, it's just the music. I think, no, I think the lyrics come in. Well, the lyrics are, and this is famous too, Brian Eno convinced David Byrne to put uh, what is a, a famous po- a poem 
of absurdity. So the words are literally nothing. They're just gibberish. So he's just putting, you know, he's just making these words essentially notes and adding them to the music. So if you actually read them and you think it's like a different language or something, it's not. It's it's literal made up nothingness. I did not know that. I didn't yeah. even know about, I don't, the new, so going back to <laughs> Spider-Man, you mentioned Marvel. Um, <laughs> I lost her, guys. I went to Spider-Man to the crafting of the song Izumbra. So yeah. You did, the lose, big- you did <laughs> lose me. I was like thinking in my head. I can hear, I can hear in like, we can't see each other right now, but I can hear in my, my monitor headphones, her blanking out. Like I could see her face being like, what, what the fuck is he talking about That's now? That's exactly what happened. I'm yeah. Sorry. So yeah. So uh, yeah. Shout out to the music supervisor. So the last uh, I've, you know, as much as I have to pick my fucking battles with Marvel movies, like I like a lot of like the big ones, the Avengers and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the big ones. Um, I do always keep up with the, the Spider-Man movies. I like, I really like those for some reason. And the very last one, no way home. Or no way home. Gold. That one? Yeah. 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 The open, opening sequence was you know with this little introduction set piece of you know peter parker flying through the city or saving fucking mary jane or whoever uh oh she, he was spinning he was yeah that scene yeah the very beginning and that's ezimbra yeah it's ezimbra i remember that well because it just has that kinetic you know you know has that kinetic energy so for an action scene it it is kind of perfect and they could have picked fucking anything you know these guys have all the money in the world and they can you know license the license any music they want and uh, what a what a nice touch to put ezembra in there and then yeah I, I i piggybacked off of that real quick to being like ezembra is so unique even for that album because they're experimenting with those sounds which became a blueprint for 19 1980s remain in light and the the lyrics that dun dun da 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 Da, 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 da. so that was the melody but mm-hmm. you know they actually put words to those or like syllables i guess and those syllable syllables don't make up any actual words it's 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 from a poem of poem of absurdity that's just made up nonsense it's gibberish it's not a different language or something it's interesting i didn't know that yeah that's very cool so that leads us to the magnum opus in a lot of people's opinion i i, I may refute that right now right here is remain in light 1980 now this was a big uh big stepping stone because it brought a lot of it it, it was a fusion of popular american music with already so <laughs> again new wave they already had influences of punk and and ska and funk and all this stuff and brian ito and david bird were like well why don't we bring in some polyrhythms from africa in mm-hmm. the form of afrobeat a la fila cootie and also the funk stylings of parliament funkadelic and then put them in you know put our little twist on it our little spin on it and our signature sound and that is in a nutshell Remain in light. Yeah, it is. My first album vinyl that I have of theirs. But a lot of people, I think that's like the to-go album that you should have in your vinyl collection. Just like in Stevie Wonder, like Songs of the Key of Life. Like if you don't have that, then you don't have a vinyl collection. And Intervision, yeah. And yeah, like and Intervisions. I have all of Stevie Wonder's vinyls. Um, almost love all. Love me some Stevie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, but um, Talking Heads, I only have two vinyls. But I have a... I, you know, They're to, hard to find. They're so hard I feel to like find. A, you have to I buy the feel new like ones. that's a... You know, for all you record collectors, I don't feel like that has to be a a benchmark for your, um, mu- you know, being a music lover. Like they're kind of hard to find. I think I have one or two somewhere. But um, tell us about Remain in Light, Miss Parsons. Um, sure. Uh, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tell me, just, uh, let's let's start here. Let me so, start here. What's your yeah. favorite song? 
Oh, put her God, on the spot, so guys. God, that's so hard because every song on that album is well, so good. Well, that is a trick question. That is the correct answer. The, okay, all thank of them. you. They're all the. I'm like, what? They're all amazing. Like every song on the album, there is not one bad song. There's not one song I want to skip. It's so. This is not only a you know you gotta have you gotta have or maybe a, the. Wait, maybe the first one. Maybe the heat goes like the born. Yeah, under born under punches. punches. Oh, yeah. yeah. Under- We're gonna talk about that here in a minute. And the heat goes on. Oh my god, he's so thin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thin. He just wants to breathe, guys. He just wants to breathe. Anyways, so yes, Remain in Light, 1980, was an absolute game changer, revolutionary for its time. And not only is it, you know, yeah, for music lovers, always on their list of like, oh, they have to reference that when they're at some fucking cocktail party and they're talking music with someone they've never met, they're going to bring bring up Remain in Light. But I would actually take it a step further. I think this is like the true connoisseurs out there, me included. This is that album that is usually on the real the real nerds list the top 10 they're like you know when someone is like really 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 into music like a musician's mm-hmm. kind of music they will bring up remain in light over and over again for good for good reason i get it and yes that brings us to born under punches the heat goes on so them their use of polyrhythms but very exper- experimental sounds makes me always think of adrian blue so we, we're bringing back adrian blue and bro cobar spiritual if you're listening this this is this is for you this little this little note so there is a there is a solo of strange sounds in the bridge of born under punches the heat goes on here's where the deep cuts come in fun fact that is not done by a synthesizer or post-production uh production tricks or tools it's done by a guitar by adrian Ballou. so adrian Ballou is famous for creating solos that are not only incredibly authentic and unique but creating sounds from pedals and different uh techniques that create the illusion of other sounds being produced from that instrument so that is a guitar solo in the middle of born under punches not a synthesizer whatever the fuck you thought it was at the time it does it did sound like a synthesizer you're right yeah it's uh, i've seen him do this live like if you ever study adrian blue it's like again it's like going back to that magic um subthesis you know music is magic in a way it's just like have you ever i, I think i asked philip this uh in one of our shows like have you ever listened to someone or watched someone do something specifically musically and it's not even believable like you're like no this isn't this isn't real. He's not really doing that. This is like a someone is like hitting a button and, you know, like it's just coming out of the speakers, but he's not actually making this with this instrument. This isn't real. Yeah, I can't think of I many times, but I just can't think of who and what right at the moment. Well, Adrian Blue is. So all you all you boys and girls out there, um, go ahead and YouTube this guy. I do that a lot with tools. Danny Carey, too. He's a drummer. And um, but yeah, this is just um, this is a changing period, not only for their sound, but also the band members of as a whole so this is the time that when they when they took a little break and um tina and her husband chris made tom tom club their funky you know side project um and she did a lot of the singing crafting things like that so did he and harrison uh released the the red and the black Byrne went on to start his solo career with My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, which was also another collaboration with Brian Eno. Uh, some other standouts for me before we move on is The Great Curve, which includes mm-hmm. two Adrian Blue solos. And the, the, the latter one actually sounds like a guitar. You know, finally you're like, oh, okay, this sounds like fucking, you know, Van Halen or, you know, Slash, like a regular guitar solo. Houses in Motion, Listening Wind, 
And I, I have to mention the single because of this, you know, this fucking show. But I, I actually feel like it's a weaker, not a weaker, that's not the right word. Just a, a I, I'm not in love with it like the other tunes on the album, which is Once in a Lifetime. Yeah, I mean, all of it's great. It's like I get overwhelmed when I think about this album because I'm like, I'm hearing all the songs muddled together in my head. I'm like, which mm, oh, one? Yeah. Uh, I just want to put it on right now. It's a fever dream. Oh yeah, you're 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 on LSD without any LSD a little bit. And there's only eight tracks on that one compared to like other ones that had like eleven. So we have forty minutes. It's tight and concise, and I think they were probably worried. You know, if I if I was like, because you know, all these as much as great artists are great artists. Great artists are nothing without the management behind them. So you know that there was some suit in the room that was like. I don't know if this is going to connect with an audience. Why don't we just make it 40 minutes? So, you know, you can get in and out real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. I don't I don't know if anybody actually knows. Please tweet at us. Email us. Yeah, I'm sure someone out there has some information. And this was, you know, this is all just a, a time of a lot of output. You know, this is a an album almost every year. So they took a break. Uh, I think there was a lot of people at the time that thought they may they may break up now. They're, they're going to break up because they were, they started doing all this other stuff. You know, Tom Tom Club, Harrison solo work, Burn solo work, yada, yada, yada. But the great the great thing that is live music and touring brought them to, back together. And that was culminated with 1982's The Name of This Band is Talking Heads, which is a live double LP. And then in 1983's Speaking in Tongues. Now, I love this, this is, album. This is one of my, after going through the discography again, I think this squeaked by number one. Is this your number one? Yeah, almost, yeah, I think so. I have this on vinyl. Or is Rent Remain in Light your number one? I, I, no, I like this one better than Remain in Light actually a little bit better yeah remain on light and um why though i think maybe you start to hear more of like the creative sounds you start to hear more of like the like is this just the one where you hear more cowbell and shit and you start- <laughs> <laughs> well there was more, a lot of cowbell you're like, light, music- but yes yeah yeah there's a lot more world, okay, put up a world music um speaking of tongues for me was like peak peak fucking david Byrne wackiness in a yeah, good way there you go. it was just <laughs> fun it was like really really fun and silly and even more experimental i think like moon rocks and making flippy floppy girlfriend is better i love i actually put those as my first and second tracks i want to talk about making flip making flippy floppy so yeah this album is so dancey and fun and all the all the things we already talked about but at at a you know at apex like the best version of that whereas remaining light is dancey but in a you know like again it's a it's a fever dream of sounds and scapes and all these fucking weird experimental you know movements and things like that where speaking in tongues is more is a lot like that but more of traditional song structure again like i felt like there were more songs and uh making flippy floppy is tina's fucking baseline jesus christ girlfriend is better of course burning down the house is a fun one slippery people and um you know a uh, underrated you know sleeper hit that i i love to this day is this must be the place oh i love that song it's such a beautiful song that's so fun and this is famous because um the talking heads have said this is the closest they've ever been to writing like a quote unquote love song. Yeah. And I, I, I can hear that, but it's still like very, you know, David Burns used of 60 note phrases and it's very, it's very David Burns sounding and, and, and Tina and well, all of them. I feel like that's the genius of talking heads is as much as, again, much as we give a lot of love to David Byrne, he gets a lot of the spotlight and, and, and deservedly he is, you know, he's a genius in his own right for a lot of these things. We have to always take a step back and be like, remember this was a band and this was, they probably had a, a some, 
somewhat of a democratic process of putting all their ideas into the melting pot together before, you know, David Bernier was slowly, slowly, slowly wanting to take over and just gain complete artistic lead control, which eventually led to their breakup. But, you know, at this time, at this peak, you know, remain light and then speaking in tongues again, 1983 for reference, it all came together perfectly. And we see that mm-hmm. in Tom Tom Club too. I'm not. Did you get a chance to listen to any of the the other the side project stuff like Tom Tom Club? I didn't. Uh, unfortunately, it was on my list and I never got around to it. It was work was crazy this week with them. It is a um, it is a fucking sample treasure trove. Um, Mariah Carey owes a owes a great debt to her career to Tom Tom Club. Interesting. Anyways, going back to Talking Heads, this is also the time in 1984 when they made the pro- arguably the greatest music you know film of all time or live concert film of all time which is stop making sense yeah i was watching that yesterday were you i wanted to watch it one more time before the show and i just didn't get a chance yeah it's um it's what do you think of his giant suit (laughs) (laughs) i enjoyed it i was get get your pino let's talk about his his suit. giant suit, I think, is brilliant. I mean, you I know, I love it. It. <laughs> it's bizarre and brilliant. It stands out and it's very artsy. It's very like I'm an art student and I'm being weird for the sake of just being because I can. I just want to do this because I think it would be visually interesting. You know, it's like That's exactly what it is. Yeah. 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 He's just like, I want to add another element to this. Why not? <laughs> uh, like I said, I look at it I'm like, oh, God, you could tell he was he's an artist. Like he's an art student. That's what I love. About you, I'm gonna give you a little uh praise on air. Is I love that you know you're an art student, mm-hmm. not only a student, you you do it as well, you teach it and do it, mm-hmm. but you also are obje- objective enough. And we do this, I feel like I pride ourselves in us, you know, the other guys, the other team members doing this. Is like we can kind of step back and be like, well, you know, I love it, it's artsy and it's very artsy. It's kind of pretentious, you know, like we can see the silliness of it or like they're trying too hard or them, you know, yeah, embodying they're like, well, I'm an art student, so I'm going to do it this way to be artsy. And so like as much as we love it, we also are, are just giving it a little bit of criticality, mm-hmm. which I think it it needs too. There are films and stuff that I see and, and um, like Call Me By Your Name is one of them that like so many art students and people that are in film like love it. And I fucking hate that film. And then, um, so it's just an example of like, there are things where there are artistic things that I see that I'm like, oh, that's great. It's quirky. It's funny. I can tell that they're taking it seriously, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Where like certain films, like certain things, like Call Me By Your Name, like I just like roll my eyes so hard. <laughs> like, oh, like they're gonna God. fall out of your head. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I can't. I know, uh, and, and I what I know why every art student loves it, and it's so cliche, yeah, and obnoxious. And I like I think maybe that's me. That's me being. I don't. I don't know, but like I argue with a lot of people. I'm like, no, this no, is why arguing. you guys. Like this is why you guys like this film. This is why you like it. And they're usually well, my friends who are will tell me, okay, you just saw through me and I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Ooh, I like that. Well, keep uh, keep seeing through people. We like it on the show and and making people feel seen. Uh, <laughs> that brings us to 1985's Little Creatures, which is uh, their best sell- selling album to date. This is this has singles like Road to Nowhere and She Was and Creatures. Well, Creatures of Love wasn't a single, but it's one of my favorites on the album. Love that same, yeah, yeah. And uh, Little Creatures is um, is I, I use this a lot in our our other shows. No offense, you know, to all you 
huge lovers of little creatures out there. I do love this album. It is kind of a safe album to me. It's a little more just traditional American pop rock kind of Mm -hmm. songs. Not that it's bad by any means, but I felt like every everybody does this every time we we do a piece on these bands these really experimental deep cut type of bands they always have this album that's a little more just right in the middle not not bad by any means they didn't put anything out bad but not like it's not it's not remaining light it's not speaking in tongues it's just kind of right in the middle you know let's let's just write some music put it out there kind of filling in the time it's it's very solid um and i think they were i think it's probably their best-selling album just because it was coming off of the success of those last two albums too their notoriety 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 was so big that people like you have well you have to get this album exactly yeah i think they were there and that's where you know i think david Byrne. this is where the, the the cracks in the seam we're starting to see them where he's like oh shit well i don't i don't need these other musicians i can do this by myself and that led to the weirdest movie of all time that's 1986's true stories so this is burn you know went rogue and decided to make a musical satirical comedy film of the same name uh which he also helped to write direct and star in and as well as obviously write the music for so there's an album called true stories and there's a movie i haven't seen the movie I haven't seen the movie. I've seen clips of it. I I, I think we're dodging a bullet here. I don't think you need to see the movie. I like the album a lot. It's really... Well, well it's funny you say that because get ready to to, to debate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is what I thought you were going to say as their weakest entry. I, I like... I dis, or I would say I dislike. I like this one the least as True Stories. Okay. Why, is, why do you feel that way? Why? Because um, it's... I, I almost wish it wasn't you know, build as a talking head song, like as much as it has David Burden singing and stuff like that, it's really, cl- it, or not, not really clearly like a solo thing. Um, you know, the, the single wild, wild life is fine. You know, it, it was okay. It's just like, I don't think the songs were as crafted as well as some of the other pieces. Okay. And I see the, that. the production wasn't there. It's almost like that he wanted to get a quote unquote live feel for the music because you can hear a lot of reverb and echo. It just doesn't sound polished. It sounds like a live, another one of their live albums, like Stop Making Sense or The Name of This Band Is. I just feel like it should have been an out, it's an outlier that should have been, you know, on somebody's list, probably David Burns's, you know, discography list, but not Talking Heads, in my opinion. Why do you like it so much then? Enjoyed every track. I know, see, I'm not a music head where I'm like, oh, let me talk about the reverb. Uh, Sorry, I just made fun of you. (laughs) That's a good I burn. So many I better hits. I better get some ointment for this burn. That's oh. a good bur- oh, look at that pun. Burn on burn. Um yep. so I need, I need some ointment for this burn. I need I need some lotion for this burn. Go ahead. <laughs> Maybe I haven't digested this album enough. Honestly, I, I just started like I was like, oh yeah, I haven't listened to this album enough. Oh I enjoy this. This is fun. This is good. It sounds like I agree with you, like with like it sounds a little unpolished. I thought that was intentional. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely uh, is. I just, but you know, so was seventy seven and yeah. more more songs. Um, it just wasn't. I don't think it was done in the right way. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I like um, puzzle and evidence. I enjoy mm. love for sale, the wild yeah. wild life, um, dream operator, Radiohead. Though, so I I really liked a lot of the Freak. tracks. I enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> Freak. <laughs> um, 
Isn't that what? Oh, yeah. Radiohead named themselves. Yeah, Radio, from the song. Radiohead named themselves after that song. Yeah. Yeah, but I just enjoyed it. it maybe it was an easy listening. Mm. No, that's that's the beauty of uh, the the count the point counterpoint. You know, uh, yes, for us music nerds that analyze music and and think of the production end of the spectrum with yeah reverb and um so that that tease was was uh <laughs> was uh i i deserve that i deserve that anyways 1988's talking or <laughs> talking heads naked uh naked was i'm not gonna spend a lot of time in this it was it was excellent i really like it it's got a monkey on on the cover and um you know this is this is peak everything talking heads like they put everything they could think of and the kitchen sink into this album i'm blind <laughs> blind 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 yeah it's you know because we forget this this always reminds me how much humor is also in the talking heads music they're kind of funny i don't think they mean to be funny what i call bill murray syndrome they're just kind of naturally funny because they're just so kind of eccentric and weird and they're just kind of being you know david burns is kind of being david burns and he's wearing his big suit and doing his weird choreography and there's just like a humor to it that you can't explain and naked is yeah just a culmination of everything i think it's a probably a perfect time to end the talking heads on an album like this which brings us to their post-career uh credits i'm gonna go really quick through these because i want to hear your gem so uh post career but if you if you want to interject please do please do um or tease me i like the tease well no i was just gonna say about naked because i wrote a note about the album is it's it's an album that i feel like i would take on put on while i'm on vacation ah yeah okay it has that Why? feeling um especially the first few tracks it just is very relaxing. Well, some of it's relaxing, but some of it, it's just very, it sounds, you hear more of those, like, is it the Afrobeats tropical sounds? You're just well, like. Well, everything. This one is, this one is completely world, world music. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Afrobeat. It's Latin. It's. What's um, I mean, you could take it anywhere and listen on rock. vacation. It's just, or you want to escape and feel like you're on vacation. You could kind of put this album on. It's, 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 that's kind of how I felt when I was listening to it yesterday. I was like, I like this. I, I like this. If Makes you, you know, happy. Yeah. it's not going to be what the, I'm in the mood for every day, but I do really en enjoy it as far as like, it's a nice little escape as mm. most of their albums are. Let's fly through their posts. So um, they, they, after this, they, they disbanded and they, they, well, they unofficially, officially broke up. Um, David Byrne left the band. And so, uh, but the rest of the band was like, well, we didn't break up. David Byrne just left. So they went on to make some more music as first they called themselves the Shunken Heads. There was just the three of them. And then they would have guest vocalists. And then eventually they actually made an album uh, under the name The Heads. And the album is, is great. What a great pun. No talking just head um and uh, eventually of course because there was a lot of bad blood as you know david byrne was trying to take creative control and you know they wanted it to be more equal and eventually that's part of the reason they disbanded and eventually broke up um and david byrne had a, david and tina i think specifically still have a little bit of that bad blood to this day and he didn't like the fact that they were using the name the heads 
to give a little bit of reference to talking heads and he actually sued them or, or I think, or through legal action at them. I don't know if he officially sued them, but there was some sort of legal action for like a cease and desist kind of situation. Damn. It sounds like David Burns got a little too much of a big head. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I'm such a teacher. You're a nerd <laughs> alert. Um, but let's talk about him for a minute. So yeah, of course he went on to to still have an incredible career. Some of his solo offerings um, is My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, 1981 with Brian Eno, Ray Momo, 1989, Uh-Oh, 1992, David Byrne, self-titled, 1994, Feelings, 1997, Look in the Eyeball, 2001, Grown Backwards, 2004, Everything That Happens Will Happen Today. That's another highlight. 2008. Brian Eno, love this giant. Another highlight. Definitely recommend this one. 2012 with St. Vincent. And of course, American Utopia that kind mm-hmm. of slowly molded, you know, it finally evolved into a musical in a way. And yeah. you can see this on HBO even. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, it was originally a part of a lo- larger multimedia project called Reasons to be Cheerful before just taking on a more of a musical stage production version with the musical we know it as today. Um, now, like I said earlier, uh, Miss Tina and Chris went on to make the Tom Tom Club and they put out a lot of stuff. There was Tom Tom Club 1981, Close to the Bone 1983, Boom Boom Chi Boom Boom 1988, Dark Sneak Love Action 1992, The Good, The Bad, and The Funky 2000, and Downtown Rockers 2012. And then her, Harrison's career, and he was always, you know, we didn't talk about him a lot, but he was probably always the glue. I, I bet he was a lot of the brains at the production side, and it makes mm. sense because he, the rest of his career was producing you know he made records the quiet ones usually are yeah they were you know he was the guy in the back making sure everything it like it could all come together as a cohesive whole people forget what producers actually do they make Mm -hmm. sure that the ideas can be brought together and crafted in a certain way to make a cohesive whole in not only a song but an album as from beginning to end including the mixing and the mastering he uh had three solo offerings the red and the black 1981 Casual Gods, 1988, Walk on Water, 1990. He had, I had, as of, as of this airing, as of this episode, he has 42 production credits. Some of the Damn. standouts include Violent Femmes, Live, Crash Test Dummies, The Verb Pipe, Rusted Root, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, No Doubt, that was a big one, wow. Stroke, Stroke Nine, OAR, and the mo- most recently, The String Cheese Incident. <laughs> the String Cheese Incident. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's funny. Okay, go on. No, no, you're you're good. Um, so uh, let's bring it on home, Miss Parsons. You know, let's talk a little bit influence. You know, and why study the Talking Heads? Um, I think the important impact on studying the Talking Heads is one, it's like to learn about experimental music because they're kind mm. of like the um Renaissance <laughs> in a way of um new wave definitely we led, say that? led the led the pack it, new it was wave music yeah, yeah you know if the beatles said to us it's okay to be weird this was like the talking heads were like well let's bring it to a mainstream audience too let's let's let everyone try it yeah and, and there's um god i was searching and i i heard david byrne talk about something and i was looking everywhere where i heard this but there's like um he used somebody, some type of method to be experimental. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, right, as an artist, um, I, I, when I'll send it to you when I finally remember, but I was, but anyway, a lot of musicians 
well, he used it anyway. But my, my point is it's listening to them is also important because as an artist or aspiring musician or painter or whatever, it kind of opens some creative passageways mm. um, for your, your psyche. And I really, yeah, I really think that's why it's important to listen to them because they're so creative and that makes you, inspires you to want to be creative and, and do something original and different. And I mean, I would suggest listening to them while you're writing or painting or, or just like wanting to think and do something different. It will definitely open something up because it's done that for me as an artist. Excellent. Well put, Miss Parsons. Very thoughtful as always. There you go, guys. Thank you for listening. Talking heads from top to bottom. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest, Miss Alexander Parsons. Thank you for having me. Now, before we go, you know, there's a little a little more for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gem of the week. If you're new to the show, don't know what the gem of the weekend, don't know what the gem of the week is. It's something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows, a little coda, but because it doesn't always fit into the main scheme of the episode, because it may just be on our radar in the last day, maybe last week, maybe last month, but we want to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Before we talk about them, of course, we need to talk about their sponsor. Today's gems are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud, so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's z-e-n.ai, slash art of the behold or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gyms. Mine is short and sweet. Um, I, I was late to the party, but I became later in life a huge LCD sound system fan. And they mm. are hugely, you know, obviously radio. We talk about Radiohead a lot on this show. Radiohead was hugely influenced by um, Talking Heads, but LCD sound system really wears it on their sleeve. And so I recommend Album Sound of Silver. And if you want to, if you never heard LCD sound system ever, listen to the song, Get Innocuous. They're great. Mine is not really music related. Um, I've been really, so I'm, the new season of The Crown came out. So oh, okay. I've been watching that. How's The Crown? It's very good. And How's I think the, the royal family, the woman that plays this season, like, so it's like, this is going through the divorce, Diana and prince charles and that whole thing and the actress that plays diana does such a good job it's almost like you think you're looking at her oh wow um and transformative so yeah it's very transformative she's got the look down she's uh it's it's very it's i think really well done a really good season oh, you recommend it yeah Anybody yeah re- that's new to the crown check it out and if you like that you can always check out our stuff at at underscore novo underscore day and day is de and at nova day media that's where you can follow us and you can see some of our products on novo at novodayproductions.com there you'll find things like the entropy sessions post meridium cancel culture lotto you'll see ads for this show yes you can uh hear more more of alexander parsons don't forget to like subscribe do all the things and if you'd like to sponsor our little love child or be on the show you can reach out to us at novadaymedia gmail.com if you want to get a hold of miss parsons tell the good people how um alexandraparsons.com um is where if you want to see all of my things i've done throughout the years um you can also find me on social media and instagram alexandra underscore parsons and you could dm me on there and until next time be good to each other and as always good luck and godspeed we love you Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. 
facebook.com slash acomusic123, aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Oh, what was that? <laughs> I think talking heads came on my phone. Oh, man. Like, like, oh, you were being haunted by talking heads. That was heads. really weird. Like, oh, oh, oh. Nope, that's staying in. That's staying in the show. I'm not editing that out. Don't edit it out, please. <laughs>